This is my story from the inside. Growing up, uh, it was pretty tough for me, man. Me and my brother, me and my brother um, grew up in the foster homes. So yeah, we were taken, I was taken away from my mum when I was uh, eight months old, nearly 10 months. Young people in our justice system were nine times as likely as the general population to have also been under the care of child protection. More than half of the children in out-of-home care and a staggering 73% of the kids sent to prison in WA are Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. They're just 6% of the child population. If we offer interventions and support to struggling families early before they enter crisis, and listen to Aboriginal communities when they tell us what solutions and supports they need, we can ensure all Western Australians build strong, healthy families. We were in foster homes till 2001. Mm. Yeah, so we used to get visitations with um, our mum on weekends, but I never knew my dad. So to this day, I still don't know him, so I didn't have any interaction with with my father, because yeah, I didn't know who he was. And my mum, uh, she was like in domestic violences, relationships, um, and was abusing drugs and alcohol. I think DCP was trying to help her out in that, I'm pretty sure. I, I wouldn't know too much. What was it like growing up in the foster homes? It was... <laughs> it, it was tough. Me, me and my brother were... abused by our foster parents. We ran up, uh, yeah, we used to get bashed by them and sexually abused. And me and my brother, when we were at school, good for grandma, we ran away after school, ran to DCP and we told them that they were hurting us and we didn't want to be there. And they didn't believe us. That place is straight back too. Yeah, we kept hiding in that for running away. Oh, no one will believe us. <laughs> so me, from that day on, me and my brother vowed to never say anything. <laughs> yeah, we told our mum. 
we, we loved school because we were away from our foster parents. School and respite care were the best times and weekend visits with our mum. We didn't like being at foster homes. When we were given back to her after, like, after our stint in um, foster homes, but it was pretty much like just me and my brother at the house because my mum was out with her partner doing drugs. So it was mainly just us there. We would only see, we would only see our mum when it was our Centrelink payment. Like she'd come and collect rent and like not put it on food. She'd just collect the money and take off back to her partners. So then that's when me and brother, we know we had to start stealing money in that as well so we could eat as well because we have to give our rent money to our mum. I would have been around 14, so he would have been about 16. Drugs were my escape. It's, it's just my escape from, escape from reality. <laughs> I felt like nothing mattered when I was under the influence. I just, it's my way to get away. Like the first time I went to juvenile uh, juvenile detention centre, like they knew I'd been taking drugs because I just like I'd had uh, I had ecstasy when I went in there. I was still under the influence of ecstasy, so they just had me in the holding cell area, and they just had the uh, nurse come in checking on me every few hours and that. But that was about it. Yeah, the chaplain did. Yeah. But they just wanted me to talk to counsellors and like go counselling and that, but I, just, I didn't like talking about my problems to other people. I found it hard to open up to people. Drugs. And just hanging out with the wrong crowd. Stealing in that. I wasn't in there for a long time, you know. Well, they tried to get me to go to drug and alcohol counselling in that when, yeah, like when I got out and put, was put on an order. They tried to get me to do drug and alcohol counselling in that, but as I said, I don't really like talking to counsellors and stuff like that. Yeah. Intensive communities at the ISO, intensive supervision order. Oh no, I broke it because I didn't go to counselling in that. For starters, I would have loved DCP to actually believe me and my brother. <laughs> I talked to her every now and then, but not, not much of a relationship. Because, you know, if she had done the right thing, we would have never been placed in the situation that we were put in. She had her own problems and that with drugs and alcohol, but, you know, if she had done the right thing, we would have never been put in that scenario. Is she still on drugs and alcohol today? I'm not too sure. I don't think she is anymore. She moved away from Perth. So I haven't seen my mum for nearly six years. 2013 was the last time I seen my brother.
was if they had have believed us and actually listened to us, you know, they would have been able to take us out of that situation me and my brother were in. You know, not only because of, like, because of all that, me and my brother, we don't talk anymore. He refuses to talk to me and I honestly believe he doesn't want to talk to me because we both experienced that stuff together and none of us were there to help each other. And I honestly believe it's because we both experienced that and we weren't there to protect each other. That's my belief. There's no other explanation why, you know, he, don't, what, he doesn't, just doesn't want to talk to me. And if we are in the same room together, it's just, we will just fight. Like, you know, I love my brother, man, but yeah, we, I, I think that's why. It makes sense to me because we both experienced it. And none of us we were kids. We couldn't do nothing, but none of us were there to help each other. I work for Cliff Driver and um, our machine operator. The birth of my two daughters, Naomi and Alicia. I love them girls. They saved me. If it wasn't for my kids, I would be still doing drugs, in jail, or probably dead. Like they, they, they literally saved me. Stuff that fathers do with their kids, you know, take them to the park, play games with them, go to the movies, to just take them out, you know, spend family time with them. There's time that you can't get back, you know. I want to be out, you know. I don't want to just waste their childhood away, you know. I want to be involved with their childhood. I want them to have a childhood that I didn't have. I grew up without parents. I don't, you know, I don't want my kids to experience what I went through. So I want to give them the best and happiest life that I can possibly give. Well, they saved me, you know. If I hadn't gone back for my kids, I would have went back to drug. But I'm just glad to have back because I went 10 months without seeing them kids. I had to go through the family courts and everything to fight to see my kids. So, you know, I'd love to have them every weekend, but yeah. every fortnight is a lot better than nothing, you know. I did start it again, but then, you know, I just put, kicked my foot into gear and went back for the kids. But that, that's partly my fault as well, you know, like, was, like with the drugs and alcohol and that, you know, I did some bad stuff. I met a lot of fathers there who haven't seen their children for years, you know, so I have nothing to complain about. Ten months is nothing compared to the people that I met. To be there with my kids, give them a fun, happy childhood, not a childhood that I experienced. We can reform our justice system and make it better for families, better for communities and fairer for all Western Australians. We can do this by investing in building healthy families and safe communities instead of new prisons. By supporting and investing in community design justice reinvestment initiatives and sites. Like Olabodiguthu in Halls Creek, rather than building new proposed juvenile detention centres. We need to end the imprisonment of vulnerable and disadvantaged persons who belong in the community, starting with our children. 
And we need to provide supports early to families who are struggling and kids who are in need before they end up in child protection or in the justice system. We want a bright future for all children. Social Reinvestment WA proposes evidence-based alternatives that are an effective and connected approach to justice. They make economic and social sense for Western Australia. I'm Sophie Stewart and I'm the coordinator of Social Reinvestment WA. You can join us in taking action to mend our broken justice system in WA. Help us to end the imprisonment of vulnerable and disadvantaged groups. To start, you can subscribe to this podcast, Stories from the Inside, and help us spread our message. You can head to our website, socialreinvestmentwa.org.au, and sign our petition, join our movement, and share our videos and stories far and wide. Join us for an effective and connected approach to justice. Stories from the Inside is brought to you by Social Reinvestment WA, a coalition of Western Australian organisations trying to build a better justice system. It was produced on the lands of the Wajak Noongar people. We pay respects to their people, past, present and future. The podcast is written and produced by Anthony Stewart with interviews and research by Donna Self. Sophie Stewart is the executive producer. Audio recordings and video production from director Shane Van Litzensberg. Sound by Joanne Marie Carwardine. Video by Little Fort Production. Music by Ned Beckley and Equate Studios. To help spread the message, subscribe to the podcast share it with your friends and consider giving us a five-star review. For more information or to get involved on the campaign, head to www.socialreinvestmentwa.org.au.